are listening to another episode of the Coach's Circle Podcast, brought to you by LifeCoachPath.com. Our goal is to explore all the different ways you can craft your own career in the fields of coaching, wellness, and mental health. Each episode features guests who offer an authentic perspective on their own unique career path and explores ways you might begin to craft your own. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit www.lifecoachpath.com. And now, here's your host, Brandon Baker. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. Today's special guest is Dana Gianta, a clinical psychologist, executive coach, and organizational consultant. She is the author of her book titled From Stressed to Centered, A Practical Guide to a Healthier and Happier You. She also just launched a brand new podcast called Living a Vibrant and Fulfilling Life. Hey, Dana, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to have a fellow podcaster on the show. It's a happy band. <laughs> That's exciting. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to to keep doing it. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun, um, as hopefully uh, we will show over the next 25 minutes. Um, I wanted to just start <laughs> off by just getting some background on on you, how you found yourself um, you know, in, in the field of psychology and coaching. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just give listeners some background as to who you are. Sure. Sure. So, well, I've been a psychologist now for the past almost 20 years. Um, but I've really gotten involved more in coaching over the past, I would say nine years. And I really got involved and heard more about it through a colleague of mine who really introduced uh, a group of us to executive coaching. So I had heard a little bit about, well, more about life coaching, but not too much about executive coaching. And since I have a background in business and then a specialty in health, as well as psychology, I thought, you know, it'd be really nice to learn more about what coaching is all about. And also really just to kind of clarify the differences between coaching and therapy. So I thought, you know, it would really be helpful to get some more professional training in it. So with the, this group of colleagues, we, we took a, um, about a, I think it was about a 14 week executive coaching program. Um, and I really liked it. I, I was really impressed with how, how it was uh, run. And then I decided to go to IPEC. So the Institute for Professional Excellence in Coaching to mm-hmm. get, further training and coaching. And um, because I really think there's there's a lot of overlap between therapy and coaching, but there's also some distinct skills and kind of a mindset that's a little bit different. So I was really um, grateful that I did that because I think it really just enhanced my, not only my therapy, but really trained me, I think, and gave me more of a an under, deeper understanding of what coaching is. And so now I feel really confident um, and happy to do both, you know, so I really work with clients now, you know, around psychotherapy. And then I have a part of my other practices doing both business coaching and life coaching um, and also consulting with organizations around, especially employee well-being and performance. Um, And I love speaking. So I'll do speaking engagements about a a variety of different topics. Um, But one of my specialties is, really uh, helping individuals and, and working with employees also on setting boundaries um, in their personal and professional life. 
um, and also making courageous changes. So I think a lot of times we really know more about where we want to go in our either careers or life, but a lot of things get in the way of that in terms of um, figuring out the next steps, or we may even know the next steps, but we're having a lot of challenge in, in taking them. Um, and so I really work with, with people also around helping them kind of make these courageous changes and really move closer towards the life they really want. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, beautiful summary. I, I, um, I heard a lot of points there that I, I definitely wanted to get to. And sure. um, yeah, we'll definitely touch on them one by one. But before we get there, I, I definitely wanted to follow up on, you mentioned that you attended IPEC, which, you know, obviously, um, well, just to be clear, we don't, we don't endorse any, uh, you know, training program on the show. However, I, I did want to get your take on IPEC because it is a program that's often, um, obviously, it's a highly respected program. It's, you know, the people there are great. And um, one of the one of the topics that our listeners are interested in is certification. So um, mm -hmm. if you can just share your experience with IPIC, just a firsthand experience, I think that would be valuable for, for our listeners. Yeah, I know. I'm happy to do that. Uh, yeah, I'm very happy I went to the program. I, I thought it was a really well-organized, well-thought-out um, curriculum that mm -hmm. they put together and really gave, a, I think, a very good foundation, uh, especially the skill set involved in coaching. Um, and they gave a, a lot of time also to kind of work together with your, your kind of co not, not co-workers, really, but work together with fellow coacher, coaches in training who were, mm -hmm. who were there. And not only to really get to know each other, so there's a lot of camaraderie. And they also made it, I think, was nice, not just educational, but really fun, too. So there was a lot of kind of social kind of camaraderie and getting to know each other, um, but really practice the skill. So we would learn about it. And it's definitely intense. I will say it's an intense program. So um, if you, I would try to do it when you have more open space in your life and in your, um, in your schedule, right. because to get the most out of it, um, because it's not only, you know, a kind of a, a strong I think in-depth curriculum, but then there's lots of kind of mentoring and practicing the skills. So kind of really using, working with other coaches to do kind of half hour sessions together or an hour coaching session and really build up the experience, which was great because by the time you finish the program, you really feel more confident um, in your coaching and, and feel ready to start your own practice if you want or your own coaching business. Um, if you want. Right. Uh, and I think they're also doing some training now or adding some modules in starting your own coaching business. Um, that was the one thing I think that wasn't really, when I went through, wasn't so integrated. You kind of were trying to figure it out when you graduated. But now I think they're more, um, you know, they're, they've integrated that more into the program. Yeah, thank you for that. That was that was a good summary. I was going to say an intense program sounds like it's going to prepare you well for coaching because coaching is quite intense at times as well. Um, you yeah. know, coaching is definitely not something you can do just kind of, uh, you know, half, you know, one foot out the door. Uh, it's definitely something that requires your full attention. So um, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So that sounds like a, a good preparation. Yeah. So thank you for that. Thank you for, oh, sure, for sharing. Sure. 
So just to get a little bit more into into the weeds and into the work you're doing, which I think is the the focal point of the show, you mentioned that self-care and boundary setting are two kind of Mm -hmm. fundamental pillars of of the work that you do. Um, And, you know, I've had a lot of therapists and coaches on the show. However, um, this is kind of the first time that somebody has expressed that idea as being the foundation. And I'm actually glad that um, that we get to focus on that on today's episode, because I, I think too often people, especially those who are, you know, very caring, empathetic and um, nurturing, those types of personalities, they tend to put everybody else's needs um, before their own, um, you know, and and I, I think it's it's kind of an understandable uh you know, challenge that a lot of people face, but it I, it can have a lot of deleterious effects. So I wanted to give you the chance to explain why you chose that as your focus. Did it stem from any um, first or secondhand experiences you had in your own life? And and also how, this is a kind of a big question, how it plays out when you're with your clients um, in a session, what kinds of behaviors would fall into the you know, maybe lack of boundaries or lack of self-care and how do you work to correct that over time? Sure. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think, and I think in a great observation too, because uh, it is one of the biggest problems I've seen uh, and also in my own life too, but uh, in terms of we always, we often, most of us prioritize other people's needs um, above our own and also really live up to other people's expectations or live our lives, you know, with other, ex- other people's expectations, very present in our minds. Um, but to go back a little bit, my, my journey around self-care and my kind of consciousness around how important self-care is and boundaries really um, initially started with my family's health issues. So my father was, um, Years ago, and so I was young in my 20s, so he he was diagnosed, um, and so he died within a short period of time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then a little while later, my mother <clears throat> got, um, got sick as well. So I began caregiving. My sister and I started caregiving for her, and it was very intense, the, the stress of the caregiving. I was actually in my PhD program at the time. Oh, man. So you trying to make, yeah, yeah, it was really stressful trying to kind of do that and also care for her. And so I began to realize if I don't take better care of myself, really prioritize my own well-being and take time for myself and take breaks from the caregiving and uh, really focus on setting boundaries in terms of my work-life balance and uh, prioritizing the time for myself, the little time that I had for myself, really making some good boundaries around that. I would really um, burn out and I wouldn't be able to, to be there for her and to probably finish the program. So that was the beginning of um, the, the journey around it. And, uh, and even actually before that, I actually, in my, in my podcast, one of the episodes, I talk about being gentle with yourself. And there was a wonderful grief counselor, a hospice nurse, actually, when my father died that she, as I was grieving, she, you know, um, shared with me this very, you know, wonderful gift, really, message, which was be gentle with yourself mm. as you grieve and as you heal. And uh, it was the first time I really heard that very compassionate, caring message. And, uh, 
And so that was really the seed, I think, of the self-care, you know, consciousness. And then when then I had, then I, it grew as I was caregiving for my mother. And then years later, maybe a few years later, I was diagnosed actually with my own health condition that was, you know, at the time could have been quite serious. So that's when I really um, integrated more and much more profoundly the self-care and the boundaries. So I, at that point, I really started focusing on boundaries and um, only surrounding myself pe- with people who were positive and supportive and uh, anything that was stressful or, you know, any negativity. Um, I was really clear about, you know, surrounding myself and creating a, a very uh, positive environment and also really taking time for um, renewing myself. So a lot of like renewal and uh, healthy, uh, healthy behaviors to kind of help me heal. And so that, you know, as I did that, that was my own personal experience. But then when I brought it into my, into my therapy practice, um, I saw how transformative it was Mm -hmm. uh, with, with all of the, the clients that I've, that I've worked with, that as they focus more on prioritizing their own needs and making time for themselves, they really start to feel a greater self-respect, respect for themselves, confidence in, and it really starts to trickle over to every area of their life. So it was really incredible to see how just by prioritizing their own needs more and, and making time for their self-care and learning to set boundaries, giving themselves permission to do all of this, it made incredible changes in over time in almost every area of their life. Um, so that was really eye-opening and incredibly you know, wonderful to see. And that's really what contributed to me writing the book because I thought, you know, I really would love to share this so more people can benefit from what I've been witnessing over the past, you know, 15 or so years and in my own life. So um, seeing it in clients over, you know, hundreds to really thousands now, and then in my own life, how powerful it was. um, I, I really wanted to, you know, put that into a book so other people can, you know, benefit from that. And and I, I really brought in the concept of self-care. So it's not just about, you know, which is also very important, exercise and sleep and healthy eating, which is mm-hmm. great. But there's also many other elements of self-care, um, one of which for me is boundary setting. So you don't typically see the connection but or hear about it. But I think there's an integral piece to boundaries and self-care. Um, and the last piece I'll say is it really comes also to really one's relationship, you know, our relationship with ourselves. So cultivating self-care and boundaries really helps one develop a stronger relationship with, with yourself. And, uh, and that has profound effects over time in your life. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, perfect. So I wanted to give listeners an idea of some of the most common ways that um, your clients you know, could work on on that boundary setting and self care. So, so what are some of the most common behavior patterns that you notice in your clients or that you have noticed over the years that are just classic? You know, um, maybe unintentional lack of self care or lack of boundary setting, and and what small changes do you try to, um, you know, work on to to help fix those? Sure. Um... Well, in terms of the the boundaries, you know, I notice um, a lot of people 
they just, they may feel typical emotions or kind of guilt or resentment or discomfort in, in areas of their life or with different people in their lives. And so this often goes on for quite a while and they're not really sure what to do about it. So something, either something the person is doing, maybe their expectations or how they're behaving towards them, or just a situation is creating a lot of discomfort, you know, with this client or guilt and resentment. And so I work with them on kind of teasing apart and really exploring what is it about the situation or, your, or this relationship that's contributing most to these, these emotions. And let's really begin to pay attention and honor these feelings, right? Because they're really giving us valuable information. And so then I work with them on learning what boundaries are, because many times, you know, clients are just not really even aware first, what are boundaries and um, that this, these emotions are actually signs, really good cues that boundaries need to be set in this situation Mm -hmm. or very likely need to be set. And so I kind of then educate a little bit about what are boundaries, how they work, how does one set them? So, and give examples and we'll kind of do role-playing, you know, with, uh, with the client once they have a sense of kind of how they can communicate these boundaries with the person or about the situation because many times um, they don't really know what to say to how to set the boundary. So we'll talk about different ways one can kind of assertively communicate with, um, with this in this relationship or in this work situation. And also another big piece is just giving themselves permission to do it. So They may feel like they need or want to set a boundary, but they're afraid to, or they don't think they have a right to. So part of that, you know, that growth and the the change process is is just giving yourself permission first and then work on the skills of setting boundaries because it definitely is a skill. And so I kind of teach and and really um, help them understand, develop that skill and then begin to kind of use it in different areas of their life, little, you know, in small steps. Right, right. Yeah, I find it fascinating how the first sign of a of a need for boundary setting is often the end result, which is the 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 guilt or the resentment, right? And it's it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. how the mind can fully process the the kind of um consequence of that, but somehow we're not adept at recognizing uh at least not naturally. We're not adept at recognizing like what needs to actually be done to fix that. And it's just so different from, from so many other, um, you know, functions of our mind, right? Like if we, you know, just take the most simple example. If we, if we touch the stove and it's hot, you know, it's not just that we have this sensation of pain. It's like, Hmm, okay. That's all I feel. Like you understand that, like kind of the causes behind that. But when it comes to personal relationships, it's completely different where all we have sometimes is kind of like that tip of the iceberg, the, I just feel resentment and I can't quite explain why, or I feel guilt and I can't quite explain why. And it's, it's, it's your job as, you know, a coach and therapist to, you know, shine a light a little bit on what is under that tip of the iceberg. um, (laughs) What is causing that, uh, that feeling to, you know, to come out. So, yeah, I find that fascinating. Oh yeah, no, that's really, I mean, that's, that's so right. Many times, you know, we, I think many of us just think it's normal, you know, to kind of go around feeling resentful. Or, yeah, it doesn't have to or, be that way, though. 
Yeah, no, it doesn't. And uh, it's kind of like one of the, it's an interesting way of looking at it, but I think of it as almost like a, like a psychological liberation, really. Hmm. Um, freeing our minds, you know, freeing ourselves, which really is, it's a process of freeing ourselves from a lot of these emotions that really, you know, just weigh us down and limit us. So, you know, one of the, some of the main pieces that I think really hold many of us back for making either, you know, a significant change in our life or setting boundaries, which is also a change is um, one, the tendency to prioritize others' needs. Another is limiting beliefs and fear, fear of relation, losing a relationship. So many times people, you know, even with self-care, they hesitate to practice self-care because they think it's taking time away from their loved ones, right? It's selfish. That's a big belief system around that. And then for boundaries, it's a fear of of the relationship ending or losing the relationship or creating conflict in the relationship. So you know, those three areas we definitely go into and a lot of it's kind of mindset, right? Working on one's beliefs and, and the fears that come up and, um, and and the patterns of prioritizing others' needs and where does that come from, right? And how is it showing up in one's life? So all of these things usually um, are, are significant factors, um, but it's very possible. And when people do learn to set boundaries and, and clients start doing it, it's uh, yeah, it's really incredible to see the the positive growth and changes that come from it. Right, right. Yeah. And for anybody listening who doubts the power of self-care, just remember that when you are on a flight and you gain the required safety message, they do tell you to put on your oxygen mask before your child. And there's a reason why they say that, <laughs> right? Um, that's kind of an interesting metaphor, but it's I think it drives the point home, which is if you don't take care of yourself first, there is no chance that you're going to be able to take care of anybody around you. Um, right. Yeah, and so I think that's just a maybe quick little heuristic to to remember, but I think it I think it's a meaningful one, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. So I, I wanted to also discuss another big part of your work, which is your uh, organizational coaching. And um, we haven't had anybody on the show yet that that focuses on this niche. And obviously, you mentioned that you have a you know a history in business um, before your 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 career in psychology. So you're obviously well suited to to work on this. Um, so I wanted to ask you though, in the context. Because I think listeners are by and large familiar with organizational coaching and 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 obviously the benefits of it. Um, but I wanted to ask you, in light of our new kind of corporate world that we're living in now, um, it's it's not simply a change in our physical location. You know, it's not just before we were in the office and now we're at home, but everything else is the same. I mean that that change affects every level of of a company's um you know functioning right from the interpersonal relationships uh you know all the way up and down the line so i wanted to ask you in in the light of covid how has your work as an organizational coach changed and maybe equally importantly how hasn't it changed what what kinds of things are are you know just as relevant just as important as they were before mm, yeah no that's a great question Um, yeah, I mean, this is, we're really kind of going through pretty extraordinary times, 
right now, and uh, and I think a lot of systemic changes um, in organ, you know, especially organizationally, but and obviously societally too. But yeah, in terms of the organization, I, a lot of the work. So a lot of the work right now I'm doing it's more virtual. Uh, so the coaching is is mostly virtual at this point. Um, and so that was the biggest change. I mean, sometimes I would, I would see kind of do my business or executive coaching in my office or within the organizations at the company locations themselves. Um, but now it's more virtual at this time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, in terms of, you know, the, what's similar, I think there's a lot, uh, one of the, the things that really haven't changed are, the focus on uh, what leadership is needed at this time to help navigate <clears throat> the this period of you know significant transition. So a lot of focus on some leadership uh, needs and and how to help the leaders really develop uh, and figure out what do the employees need as they are going through such a stressful time and their teams right. So in terms of People, you know, not being in the office as much and being in different locations. It's how do you maintain effective communication, right, in your team? Right. And how do you, you know, have everyone try to become on the same page and create some clarity as well as, um, you know, address the anxiety uh, and the, the uncertainty that many are feeling, especially employees at this time. So as a leader, you know, a lot of my work in the run, the leader, leadership development and uh, communication, as well as employee well-being, it's really helping them, you know, reflect on these questions and explore and kind of assess what are the needs? What are these key needs that the employees have? And for the company, and how do you manage this uncertainty um, and really try to maybe help the employees have improved work-life balance a bit, or and how can they better address the the anxiety that they're having, so they can continue to perform and you know benefit the company's whatever the company needs, but also address I think on a deeper level the employee's mental health you know concern, mental health issues, mm -hmm. and uh, just well-being issues given this extreme stress that most of us are under. So leadership is adding, I think my work now is adding that piece a little bit more intensely. Right. Yeah. You mentioned work-life balance, which historically has been kind of um, one of the most common challenges that coaches and especially organizational coaches uh, work on. And I think now that work and life are often in the exact same place, um, that just, <laughs> just compounds the problem and compounds the need for this yeah. type of coaching. And uh, I, I think it just goes to show that, you know, in, in this age, we're kind of, you know, the economy and, uh, you know, everything is kind of turned on its head. You know, certain jobs are no longer as, uh, I guess, necessary as others, you know, given how, how much our economy is changing. You know, things are becoming a bit more digitized and things of that nature. Um, it just goes to show how resilient coaching as a field is for anybody looking to make that career switch, but they're kind of wondering what's the long-term viability of, of coaching. I mean, just look no further than 2020, like the world got turned upside down and coaching has never been more relevant. 
So, yeah, that's a great point. That's so true. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah I think that the pro, you know, the trajectory for coaching is is really growing. I mean, it's uh, it's very very positive. You know, in, in, for the future moving forward. Uh, I'm also part of the Society for Consulting Psychologists, and uh, you know, we talk a lot about that in terms of the future trajectory of coaching and and the interest that organizations have and the need, and it just seems to be growing each year. And, and the value is being appreciated more and recognized. So I think those are all really positive signs for people who want to get into coaching and more consulting and organizational coaching. Um, there's, a, there's a significant need and the field is growing. And uh, it's a wonderful, I think, um, addition to your coaching business. Absolutely. Especially yeah, if you have you. that background in business and you understand that culture very well. Yes, I, yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah, you it really helps to have some business, some business background. Yeah. Right. Um, and so yeah, I recommend a little bit of that. Sure. Perfect. Perfect. All right, Dana, this yeah. was really fantastic. Um, I want to just give you a last chance to tell our listeners where they can find you online. And um, I know you're excited about the new podcast, so where they can find that as well. Sure. Okay, great. Yeah, if anyone wants to, uh, in terms of learning more about me or how I can help you in any way in terms of your coaching or uh, consulting, feel free to reach out. It's www.danagionta.com. And my podcast you could find on Podbean. So, yeah, I'd love for you to tune in and, and uh, yeah, give me some feedback. I would love to kind of see what uh, what needs or interests you have out there as well. That would be great. Perfect. Perfect. So thank you. Yeah, this was wonder- This was this was a lot of fun. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. Um, and like I said, you know, we haven't had anybody on the show that that has focused on the specific areas that you have with regards to the boundary setting with regards to the self-care, which I mean, I, I think are critically important. And then also with the organizational coaching. So I think listeners got a lot of new information, new perspectives. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful to, to have had you on the, sh- on the show and, and thank you so much and best of luck to you. Oh, thank you, Brandon. I appreciate it. Good uh, luck to everybody out there as well. It's awesome. Coaching. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Take care. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Coaches Circle podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to our show just as much as we enjoyed making it. If you'd like to check out a complete listing of all of the episodes on our show, head on over to lifecoachpath.com podcast. See you on the next one.